Good evening, good evening everybody. Thank you for coming out on the cold night. We are in the middle of discussing the Halakhas of Muksa, which we began a few shurim back. And we managed to cover so far the different types of Muksa, without going into detail, we managed to cover the different areas that Muksa affects, different types of uses and movements that the, the Muksa affects. And now we need to work our way through the different types of muksas one by one with the examples that are relevant, practical examples. And one of the muksas which we discussed, which is extremely relevant, though most people don't realize how relevant it is, is the muksa of chisorin kiss. Muksa machmas chisorin kiss. That's something which is of value and therefore becomes muksa. And, and we mustn't forget that the concept of muksa, as we explained right from the beginning of the shurim, the concept of muksa is that something that we set aside not to be used over Shabbos is considered muksa. So the simplest example of that we always give is something which is used for a dava also. So a machine, a computer is muksa because it's set aside that Shabbos is not going to be used because to use a, a, a computer on, on Shabbos is also. So automatically that means automatically that means that the automatically that means that the computer becomes muksa. So muksa machmas chisorin kis is exactly the same thing. When I have something which is of value and I've set it aside from being used, that's called muksa machmas chisorin kis. Now it doesn't actually have to be valuable as such, but I set it aside because of its value, it doesn't have to be an expensive item. And we'll go through a load of different examples which are extremely, extremely relevant. Something which I set aside not to be used because I, d- I want to contain and retain what it is, then that's considered muksa machmas chisarin kis. Do you have to declare it out loud? No, it's automatically. Some things are automatically like that. Unless you you don't have to declare it out loud, unless you decide to begin to use it for Shabbos. So let's, let's talk about a simple example. Uh, just a simple example, then we'll come back and we'll, we'll go through uh, um, the details, just so you should get clarity. You have a very, very expensive cobalt china um, vase, which has to me don't let any of the children, grandchildren play football anywhere near it. It's absolutely, it's, it's a unique piece and it's beautiful. It's really it's got that blue and it's just stunning, right? If you like that type of thing. So you put it aside on your sideboard and you don't touch it. You never use it. It's there purely for looks. So when you bring your guests in, you can show them the ooze and the ah, listen to the ooze and the ahs as they walk into your front room. You've got that beautiful piece on the side there. Never use that is muksa because you've set it aside. You don't want it moved from where it is. You don't touch it. You never move it from there. You're scared you're going to break it. You dust carefully around it so that it should look neat and clean. But you have no interest in using it, and that is muksa. If one day you lose your interest in cobalt china and you decide that. That, well, it's a nice vase, and I'm going to begin to use it as a vase, and you decide that tomorrow I'm going to use it as a vase, or I'm going to use it for my kiddish, I'm going to put sweets inside it, and put it as a centerpiece in the middle of the table, then that's fine, it's not muxer anymore, because I've removed its designated non-use. I've, I've changed its non-use to something which is not going to be used, and therefore that will be considered muxer. So very clearly, muxer machmas in case is something which I set aside, purely for the sake of having it there and nothing else. I don't want to use it. It's been set, set aside from use. It hasn't got any achana for Shabbos. It's not been prepared for Shabbos. 90% of the things that we have are automatically prepared for Shabbos. I have a dish in my cupboard that's automatically prepared for Shabbos. It's a, a dish which I use. 
something which I don't use, I don't want to use, it's just there for show, it's considered If you have a, a silver cabinet which you do not use, it's not just a silver cabinet so, so you can put your silver in when you're not using it, but a silver cabinet which is there just for show, then everything in that cabinet will be muksa. Muksa machmas kisankis. Irrelevant how much it's actually worth. It's not the value that's the issue here. The value, of course, will pay a part. We call it machmas kisankis because the more valuable something is, the less likely you are to use it. So therefore, if it's extremely valuable, you're most likely to put it aside, say, I don't want to use it, etc. I have, I have a, a Rembrandt on my wall, beautiful Rembrandt on my wall. It looks like nothing. It's just got a few dots on it. And, and it's not a Rembrandt. Rembrandt won't know. No. Okay. But, but you know what I mean. Uh, equivalent to a Rembrandt with a few dots. And it's, it's, it's buying an auction in Sotheby's to cost you a fortune. And you've got it up on your wall. Let's forget about the problems of Boeing, etc. Can I touch you on Shabbos? The answer is no. It's Muxum Ahmas Kosankis. I want it there. I don't want to use it for anything else. It's there purely for where it needs to be. Set aside, not to be touched. If anybody dares touch it, it means he just doesn't understand culture. Really, really uh, unlearned and, and uncultured person. This is something set aside. And that's how it has to be. Muxa Machmas Kosankis. If you then set it aside not to be touched again, it will become muxa again. Yeah, sure. <laughs> not everything on your wall. Most things on your wall are anyway muksa because you can't take them off often on the wall on Shabbos. But as as a but as muksa machmas kasharon case, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be muksa machmas kasharon case just because it's up on the wall. But if it's uh, an expensive painting which you put it there and you don't want anybody to get anywhere near it, uh, most pictures on my wall uh, end up in, at, at right angles very often, particularly when the kids are playing in the back room. So and you're not that's a different story, Shabbos. That's a good point. But if it's muksa, you're not to touch it. It could be you're not to adjust in shabbos because there's a problem of boina. You can't take it off and on the shabbos. No. But can you can you straighten it? Is that also called boina? That's also. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm asking you. That's that's, that's the question. That's help with boina. That's not help with muksa. But if it's your Rembrandt, right, another one you got in your country, make sure you don't touch it in shabbos. The halachas of muksa machmas chasan kiss are that you can't move it at all. It's one of the strictest muksas we have. It can't be moved, not not if I want to actually use the item. So if I got this cobalt china vase and I suddenly Shabbos morning I decide, you know what, it would make the perfect centerpiece for my kiddush. Can't use it. Muksa machmas I can't use it as a gufoi. I can't use it as a kaimai. I've decided I'm really worried that uh, the, the area, not worried, uh, the area where this china is sitting on my side what I really need for my kiddush so I can put my, uh, I don't know, three-tiered cake. I can't move it in Shabbos. Muksa machmas chasan kiss is also to be moved the serif gufoi, the serif mukaimai, and of course, the calm on the tail to protect the actual vase itself. Of course, of course that's also. All three different types of titulim, different types of movements, different purposes of movements are forbidden when it comes to muksa machmas chasan kiss. The only loophole we have in, in the halachas of muksa, when it comes to muksa machmas chasan kiss, is that if you ask, you can ask a non-Jew to move it for you. Most muksas you can ask a non-Jew to remove for you. So if you really are desperate and you've got the waiters there and you need that area for your, for your wedding cake, then you can ask the waiter, if you trust the waiter to, remove your, to move your cobalt china vase, you can ask them please to move the cobalt china vase and put your wedding cake in the, on, on the sidewalk. Can I ask you an Yes. Not you have a neighbor I want to discuss this with him, I think, who has a, a summover. Is that what it's called? A summover. A summover. A, a silver summover on his sideboard. He lives uh, right next door to yourself. Uh, I always wonder if that's Muxer and Shouts. Because it's there as a showpiece. It's not there for anything. I don't think he ever uses it. 
never used for with the original purpose. You want to have a cup of coffee, you've got to make yourself a cup of coffee with a, with an urn. You don't need your summer. You've got a lovely, beautiful silver on the sideboard. That's the type of thing that could be muxa ma'am of But in the For sure, because you take them out to use sometimes. Yeah. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can use it once in ten years. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. That's fine. Where if you don't mind using it on the odd occasion, that's absolutely fine. We're talking about something that you're not, you have no intention ever to use. You never use your cobalt china. You know the ones with the plates. You have them in, in the plate stand and you put them on the side. Oh, it's, it's, it's really they're really lovely, aren't they? Uh, just right things to break when you when you're playing football. There's no you never ever use it. You don't put your cake in it. You don't put your kiddish on it. Nothing. It's there just for show. That's a problem. So let's run through uh, different examples of Muxamachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachmachm
and there's loads of green books. And my, my both my great grandfather and my grandmother both came from the same town. They, they married the next door neighbors. And she was called Kendall, and he was called Greenberg. And there's loads of Greenbergs and loads of Kendalls who were killed in the war. Loads and loads and loads of them. They're probably all, all related somewhere along the line. But my, my great grandfather was a was drafted into the Polish Army, so he had to run in, in about 1902, 1903. He came over to England because anywhere else in Europe was too close to Poland to. Uh, take the risk. So he opened the first Polish Estival in Manchester. I'm um, six generations in England. That's pretty good, no? That's why I'm the rock here. <coughs> okay. What about something like a stamp collection? A stamp collection is not a stamp itself is muxa because you can only use it. Okay, so let's we'll come to stamps in a moment. So I'll, I'll discuss that in a moment. But a stamp collection, it's very valuable, and you don't let anybody use it. So you come Shabbos afternoon, you fancy you're a bit bored, so you fancy looking through your stamp collection. It's not so straightforward. You still believe your stamp collection is considered muxa. It could be still you're still maxim mocking. The fact that you take it out carefully and you to show someone, it could still be considered muksa. What do you say? Sorry, I'm scared of this. Why is it that the Yeah, the, 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 the stamp collection can can be. You can think it's valuable and it can be worth nothing. Uh, lots of stamp collections are not worth very much at all. But uh, my son had a, 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 a penny, not not a black. Not, not a black penny, but a, not, a black, not a penny black, but a penny red. Penny reds are worth nothing. They're worth five pence. They really wasn't. There's loads of them on the market. He used to own. He used to have a stamp collection with a penny red in it. He was all excited, but it was original penny red. Original penny red, worth very little, worth about ten pence or something. If you what? <laughs> could be, could be. Depends on how careful are you with the collection. Because then, you, then you, when it's valuable, you set it aside and you don't use it. Once something is set aside and, and it's got no other use other than what it is, its value and what it is, that becomes set to put aside from being used on Shabbos. That's not so. There's no difference to that in the lovely vase. The vase I just don't have to touch. I can just go, ooh, and ah, looking around it. That's not so. Would you, would, no, with, with a stamp collection, you let your grandchildren play? Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. Then, then it's fine. Then it's fine. That'll be fine. The Shulchan Aruch tells us, and this is something which is extremely relevant in Halacha, the remark tells us in, in Simashin Ches that vessel, Kedem Ham Yuchadim Neschayur. So you own a shop in your house, you own a clothes shop in your house. And those clothes are there purely to be sold. We're not talking about the clothes in your cupboard that you might sell or give to a second-hand shop. We're talking about clothes that you have in your house to sell. Clothes which you have in your house to sell are called Muqsa Mahmasasarkis. You would never wear them. You would never put them on. They're there purely for the, for the means of selling, for business. Therefore, they're set aside. They're considered set aside. They're set aside by Muqsa. Now, I don't know anybody who sells clothes in the house, but if you did, that would be an issue. Food which you which you sell, 
so you own a shop and you live in the back of your shop, then the food is not muksa. Because food is never considered set aside. Because if it came to push, came to shove, and you were desperate for food, you would take food from your shop to eat. So food can never become muksa. Because food is always mukha and it's always ready to be eaten. We'll discuss more food a bit later. Food is never muksa, but clothes will be considered muksa. So if you own a clothes shop, will be considered muksa. It could be, could be the same thing. Could be strongly muksa. Any shop other than food that is set aside for sale is muksa. And this is where it becomes extremely relevant. We live in, in, a, in a, a consumer world where we find it very hard to make decisions. Probably the biggest bane of society, decision making. I can't decide what to make for supper tonight. I can't decide what to wear today. I don't know what shoes I should put on. I don't know which car to drive. I don't know which school to send my child. If people could make decisions, my life would be a lot easier. Uh, I remember once uh, visiting a gentleman. He wasn't sure if he should go and be Menachem Oval, an old friend of his in London. He, I was just visiting somebody in Manchester. I was just happened to be staying in his house. So he picked up the phone to Ramesha Stambuch in South Africa at the time. And he asked him, should I go to Menachem or should I not go to Menachem Oval? Yeah. It's just a sign of the times. We live in times where, and the biggest cause for it is the consumerism, is the modern concept of buying pieces of clothes in a shop and taking them back. When you were children, when I was a child, there was no such concept. You bought a suit in Marxist Wednesday, you jolly well had to wear that suit whether you liked it or not. You changed your mind when you came home because you didn't quite like the color, or it didn't fit you exactly as you thought it did. You just had to wear it, it was just, there was nothing to do. So you went to a shop, you made the decision, and you came home. Today, there's no such thing. Every single shop gives you a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks to take, to, 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 to take, to take the stuff back. And even after that, you get a credit card, a credit voucher, etc., etc. So that's the, the world we live in. And in almost most homes, I'm pretty sure, particularly the younger people's homes, you will find loads of bags in the corner of your bedroom or in the cupboard in the corner of stuff that needs to be taken back. Stuff that needs to be taken back. And you come to Shabbos afternoon and your friend comes around and you say to them, you know what, I bought such a beautiful set of clothing, a suit for, for my grandchild, and I, I, it was really nice, but I find the floor on it, oh, it's just not the wrong color. I took it out in the light of the day and the shop lighting is different to the daylight and I took it out and it was just the wrong color. I'm taking it back. Do you want to see it? Looks up. That those bags with the clothes in are completely muksa. It's muksa machmas chesaron kis because you are not going to use them. Because if you use them, you can't take them back. And your intention is to take them back. You've set it aside from being used for Shabbos. You have no. You're not allowed. It's just a simple thing that every woman would do. There's no reason why not. Look, I saw, I saw this. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a topic of conversation. What I bought and what I'm going to take back. That's, that's life. Is that not true? Today's world, that's where you live. You see the women coming backwards. I know men live. If it was just women, it would be halbatory. The men as well, backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. Muksa, you go buy a suit and you bring it home and you don't like it, you can't take it back. Muksa, lach, muksa, sarn, kiss. You're not allowed to use it. You're not allowed to touch it. You're not allowed to move it. Not the, not, not the good way. Not the so here I'm picking up. I want to show them. Also, even though I'm actually being using it, moving it for the purpose of actually showing it to someone. Muksa. I'm not allowed to what would happen if you intended to use it? And it came Friday night, you intended to use it, and then uh, Shabbos afternoon you thought about it again, you changed your mind, it's part of society. And, and Shabbos afternoon at 3 o'clock, you woke up from your Shabbos afternoon, and you thought, you know what, I'm highly embarrassed to be seen in, in, in this, in that, so I'm definitely not going to wear it anymore. So at that moment, it will become muksa. So what, an hour ago you were allowed to move, today now it suddenly becomes muksa, because you're now 
set it aside. Now this is where it becomes interesting. I, Friday afternoon, I intended to take it back. Yeah, I intended to take it back. Friday night we had some guests and uh, they were wearing exactly the same thing in a different color. So it comes now perfect for me to wear it as well. Now if somebody else is wearing it, I'm allowed to wear it. If that's the case, Friday night I turn around to my husband or to my wife and I say to them, you know what? I decided I'm going to keep it. Since it was Muxa when Shabbos came in, you can't, you can't look at it or touch it or move it until after Shabbos. Since it was Muxa when it was the onset of Shabbos during twilight, the onset of Shabbos, it remains Muxa for the rest of Shabbos. This is a harmless piece of clothing. Something that, you know what, maybe I'll wear, I'll wear it for the kids tomorrow. But if, it's, if it's in fashion, then I can wear it. Can't wear it. Muxa. Muxa machmas for kiss. Unbelievable thing. It's, it's something that uh, many people wouldn't even dream of. Why should it be Muxa? But it will be, it'll go under the banner Muxa machmas for kiss. Okay, so let's talk about, about another, another area of, of Muxamachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsvachsv
I'm up to here, I'm up to there, I'm going to go safari and I'm going to take pictures, they're going to be beautiful. Um, that camera is, is, you know, if you buy a little camera which you just, or your mobile phone, that's not Muxa Maxa Scientist, because nobody sets that aside, you use it for whatever you use it for. But a professional camera, probably Muxa Maxa Scientist. I don't think any camera is Muxa an average camera is just the Kalish Maxa It's a lesser category, there's, there's more... I don't think it depends on price. I think it depends more on, on how it's value. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the type of camera that you use purely to take professional pictures or whatever's professional in your mind. That would be considered Muxa Machmas on kit and not Muxa Machmas, not Kedish and Akhmadis. There's a huge difference between the Kedish and Akhmadis and Muxa Machmas on kit. The Kedish and Akhmadis, you can move it certain, uh, into, with certain parameters and basically you're allowed to move it. You can't touch a Kedish which is Muxa Machmas on kit. The Gemara actually, the Shulchanot tells us a very, a very interesting halacha, that a piece of paper, an em- a blank piece of paper is muksa. Because in the time of the Gemara, a blank piece of paper wasn't, uh, you could go to Ryman's and buy it for, for, for £2.50 a uh, pad, or if you went to some other shop further down, you know, you'd probably get it for £1.50. Uh, the, they're penny today. They were very expensive in the time of Chazal. You never used a piece of paper for anything other than writing. So there you have an, an item which was used only for... You could use it for other things to make paper airplanes out of it. And you can, uh, you can use it to, to soak up some water which is spilled. There's plenty of other things you can use the paper for, but since you never use paper for anything else, anything else other than writing, it's now set aside for a malacha which is muksa, and therefore paper is muksa. And the Gemara Shofar tells us a blank piece of paper is muksa. Whether that's true today, it's debatable. Some possible will tell you today paper, we do use paper for other things as well. Uh, you need to, to, to fill your shoes to make a, to make a shoehorn, so you'll scrunch some paper and put it in. Uh, if you don't have any spare newspaper around, you might use paper for other things as well, therefore it's not completely set aside for a dollar also. But in the time of Khazali, you can understand a blank piece of paper is something which was set aside and would never be used. The same would apply today to stamps, as we mentioned, because a stamp is something which you only use for sending mail, sticking and sending, sending a letter, birth certificates, passports, uh, marriage certificates, anything of that sort, which you, you put aside, you leave it in your filing cabinet, you put it in a special place for when it's needed, it's not used for anything other than something which is often to do with Shabbos, therefore it will be considered and you can't start looking up your birth certificate when this one was born on that one was born on the Shabbat Fine. Now let's just pull back a little bit just to make life a little bit easier. Uh, if I have an expensive watch, I have a very expensive watch. Very, very expensive watch. It's, uh, you know, I got from a Hasna. I didn't get a watch from a Hasna. I told my father, no, I don't want a watch. So he didn't buy me a watch. He bought me a short off instead. But I bought a watch. I have a watch, £2,000. Because if you don't buy a watch for £2,000, the marriage is not worth going into. The minimum two thousand pounds, right? So I've got a beautiful watch. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being old-fashioned. Two thousand pounds. I'm not sure. But I've got a beautiful watch. Two thousand pounds. Because it costs so much money. Is that much much And the answer is not. Anything, even if it's extremely valuable. If I would use it, even if I use it rarely, I use it when I go to Chasna. I use it when when it's Yom Tov or whatever it may be. Even if I use it rarely, that's considered an item that I use, and it's not called muksa. It's not called muksa. So if I have a very very expensive 
set of crockery. Huge, really, really expensive set of crockery. I don't know when to look, I don't know if that's expensive or not, but something really, really expensive. A set of crockery. And I never use it. It's stuck in my cupboard, left, I leave it in the cupboard in, 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 in my dining room, it stays there. comes out once a year when the cream comes to visit me. It's the only time I take it out. I take it out once a year. Is that called muksa or not? So the answer will be, it's not called muksa. It's something which I use. I use, I may use it once, I may even use it once in 10 years. And I don't use it any less than that because it's expensive and I don't want to break it. That's not called set aside because I do use it. The moment I do use it, it loses its status of muksa. It's not called set aside and therefore it's considered fine. You can take it out on Shabbos and show your visitors the beautiful set of crockery that you have. Pesach crockery cutlery is a discussion in the costume. Is that called muksa for the rest of the year? Because if I went anywhere near my Pesach cupboards during the year, I don't think my wife will talk to me for the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. I should have done mm-hmm. But Pesach, we never... Now, some of us can say that it is Muksa, because once I finish Pesach, I set it aside. There's no chance of me... It's different to a normal, normal set of crockery, where the queen walks on my door tomorrow, I'll take my nice set of crockery out any time in the year. But Pesach crockery and cutlery will never be touched except for Pesach. So it's very possible that it's considered Muksa, Mahmat, Kusan, Kis. Or do we say no? If I'm really, really short of something and I was desperate for it, like you, you ran out of sugar, so you go into your Pesach cupboard just to take the sugar, just because you haven't got time to run around the corner. You, you do sometimes go into your Pesach, your Pesach cupboard, nobody's watching, and you pretend that nobody knows uh, why a pouring pan you've got a Pesach sugar out. No, it's, it's, it just so happens that's all they had in the shop. Uh, but you do go in. So what would happen if you need the piece of cutlery? middle of the year, would you go to your Pesach drawer and pull out that piece of cutlery and say I'll buy a new one for Pesach and use it or would you not? And that's the discussion in the Pesach would we consider it muksa because you put it aside for Pesach or if push came to shove and you were desperate you might actually go into your Pesach cupboard and take out something from Pesach and use it during the year and replace, and replace it again for, for, for Pesach. You know you lose your, your, your potato peelers, I'm sure everybody loses potato peelers right? potato peelers get lost all the time so it comes to Friday afternoon, you need to make a kugel and, and you're about to, and you can't put, you, you've hunted high and then you can't find your pesa. You can't find your potato peeler. So what do you do? You go to the pesa kitchen, you pull out your potato peeler and you use it. And you go and buy a new potato peeler for pesa. And then it comes out of pesa and you hunt high enough for your potato peeler and you can't find it. You're not quite sure why. Doesn't matter. But, so it could be that pesa crockery is not muksa, but that's the discussion. Another example of things which are muksa because they are primarily set in a single place and they're not moved around because they're heavy and big and they might actually break. And that's something like a fridge or freezer or washing machine or dryer or dishwasher. No one moves their fridges and freezers. You might move it out on the odd occasion to clean underneath. If you're a real mafunak, if a couple of times a year, if you're less mafunak once a year, if you're even less mafunak than that, never. But you put your fridge and freezer in, in where it is, and it's muxa. Now I can open my door of my fridge and freezer, even though it's muxa, because the door is just the door is not. I'm not moving it. I'm not actually moving my fridge and freezer. But if I I lost a, an item of shabbos and it rolled under my fridge, am I allowed to pull my fridge out to get to that item? And the answer is a fridge or freezer or anything like that is probably considered muxa machmaster sankis, because I've set it aside. I've set it out. I don't want my you. John Wells do not want people pulling your fridge and freezer out all the time. You want it to stay exactly where it is because you don't want to break it. Therefore, that would be considered muksa machmas chisar and kiss. What about an urn which is slightly at the wrong angle or something? An urn is not muksa machmas and kiss. You move it around all the time. An urn is a normal vessel. That's fine.
changing from and we just we mentioned this before changing from a muxamachsonic case doesn't need anything other than a, a designation in your mind that in your mind you designate this now to be used so as we explained with the vase or with um, any item even a stamp you can decide I like this stamp and I want to keep it to look at I love the picture on this because we do a picture of a robin and, and, and just seasonal picture it's really nice and I want to keep it for the picture I'm not going to use it for my stamp anymore it loses the taste of the muxa but I have to do it on a Friday as we mentioned before if I do it on Shabbos then that's no good it will work for next Shabbos but it will work for the Shabbos I think that I've covered as best as I can all the different cases of Muxa Mach Muxa anybody get any questions any ideas or any items that they're worried about we did mention at the beginning that uh, we had a discussion in Hatsala whether the the radios are called Muxa Mach because they're very very expensive they're about 500 pounds a piece uh, each radio is very, the digital radios are very very expensive and, and those you, you won't use it for anything else other than listening to the radio calls for Atzala is that called Muxa Machos or not? and the only reason why I, I gave in in the end I said it's not Muxa Machos is because they showed me that they picked it up and they threw it against, threw it against the wall Show that they're, they're made so robustly that because they know you're going to be running around with them and it could be situations where they'll drop etc they're so robust that they, they literally threw them against the wall and they bounced off the wall and they're absolutely fine so he said, we're not worried about them. We don't, we don't put them aside at all. We're quite happy for the kids to play with them, except for we don't want to press the buttons. But if it's off, we're quite happy for the kids to play with them, etc., because they're, they're not, they're not going to damage. So then you can't consider that a Muslim Muxamachsosan case. If you're quite happy for the somebody, hold, they hold it by the aerial, and they hold it, they just treat it like, like it's totally worthless, because it's so robust. So strong that that, that, that wouldn't be considered muxa machos song kids. But otherwise, it would be under the under the banner muxa machos song kids. It would be like a a a, a knife or brismilo or shvita knife or something like that. But though I use it on Shabbos, I use I can use a, a mila knife on Shabbos if the bris supposed to be on Shabbos. I can use a shvita knife on Shabbos if there's a chayla who desperately needs food on Shabbos. But that doesn't mean that this knife is not muxa. It's still muxa. Uh, in the time of Shulchan Aruch, after the, the mila knife, they would finish the brismilo and drop it on the on down on the table next to them and that's where it would stay till after Shabbos they weren't allowed to touch it it was rain at after Shabbos today we let them put it, uh, put it away because it's psychotic to leave uh, a knife like that around and most of the middle nights after day half of them are disposable anyway so, so they, um, they, they just throw them away but they're, they're you have to be careful with them but they are muksa they would be considered muksa so anything like that would be considered muksa so would this radio be muksa because it's designated for a molasses so I use it on Shabbos only because of the cotton nefesh otherwise I might not use it but since it's not expensive see, since it's not uh, since it's, even though it's expensive since pe- they, they let the children and anybody play around with it uh, it could be that's not called Muxa 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 there's nothing wrong with touching Muxa we discussed it right at the beginning it's wrong with moving Muxa we don't touch Muxa that could be moved but if it touches a car he'll just get his hands dirty that's all a car is definitely muksa. It's muksa machmas isar and kiss. It's muksa machmas isa. You'd use it in an emergency, for sure. But it's still muksa. Muksa for a number of reasons. The cars are status symbols nowadays. Okay, so that gives us a bit of a, a, a background to muksa machmas isar and kiss. I hope that covered the, the area enough. If anybody, any, uh, anybody has any questions, please don't hesitate to ask, and I'll try and see. If if we can understand it in the
context of Muxamachas Kasamakis. Let's just move on. We've got five more minutes. Let's just move on to the next st- stage of Muxa, which we'll just start and we'll finish off in the next year. Next next year is 23rd of December. Is, is everybody happy to have a show on 23rd of December? Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah. Yes, Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah, so we should, shouldn't have it? Should? Somebody, somebody, somebody offer to donate donuts? I'm happy 23rd. I'm sorry? The donuts. Which donuts? Somebody wants to donate. No, donate. Donate. No, I didn't say me. No, 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 no. I'm very careful. Somebody says president. I'm happy to give share the 23rd if everybody's here. If, if, if people are going away on holiday already by the 23rd, then. then Okay, so twenty third, two weeks time. Let's make a start, and we'll, we'll elaborate a bit more in, in two weeks time on the twenty third. The Achshav. So now we are just going to discuss the Muxa, the next stage, next level of Muxa, which is equal in in its severity to the Muxa of Shankis, but fundamentally completely different category of Muxa, the exact opposite, perhaps, to Muxa Machmas Shankis. That's what we call Muxa Machmas Gufay. Muxa Machmas It's Muxa because of itself. Meaning that intrinsically it has no purpose. Something which intrinsically has no purpose is therefore never become prepared, the muchan, never become prepared for Shabbos. So an example of that would be, uh, it has no intrinsic, it's got to have something with no intrinsic use. So an example of that would be if you have a, a piece of stone, sand, earth, piece of wood, anything like that. Anything that you pick up on the street is considered muksam machmas gufay. It has no intrinsic value, it has no intrinsic use, it's purposeless, it's there, nothing to do with you, you have no interest in it, you've never ever, you've never ever set it aside to be used, it has no intrinsic, so if I buy food, it has intrinsic use. A vessel has intrinsic use. Then it depends on me whether I've set it aside or I haven't set it aside. Muxa Machmas Gufa has no intrinsic use whatsoever. doesn't depend on me. It's Muxa. I can redesignate, not re, I can designate something which has no intrinsic use to give it some use, and we'll discuss how we do that in the next year. But something which intrinsically has no purpose is Muxa, and it has the same level of Muxa as a Muxa Machmas Gufa case, which means I cannot move a stone or piece of wood or earth or sand or anything like that purely for, for its sake, not Mahmoud's Gufay, not for the sake of the place where it's found and not for the protection of that item. Anything which has no intrinsic use is muxit completely. I can ask a non-Jew to muxit to, to move it like I can do with muxit and Mahmoud's Christarchus. The way it's relevant for us, of course it's relevant to stones and all that, it's very relevant for us. The way it's extremely relevant for us is if wha- what happens if I have appealed some, some fruit and I peel the fruit, that peel has no value, it's not, it has no value anymore, no intrinsic use as fruit, it's not edible, it's an edible appeal, and it has no value now, it's just, it's nothing. A shell of a, of a nut, <coughs> not edible, no value, it has no intrinsic use whatsoever, that becomes muxa. That will become muxa. So if you peel, maybe even an orange today, because orange peels are, are full of um, scale on the outside, very hard to actually eat. Uh, orange peel is edible, but any type of peel which is not edible would become muksa machmas gufoy. Not muksa machmas sarkis because it's not valuable at all, it has no value, but it's muksa machmas gufoy, and that would make it completely. 
So, we will discuss. There is a, 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 a halacha in Hilfus Muxa, which is called Rafshorei, something which is horrible and disgusting. You don't have to leave it lying around just because it's Muxa, because that will allow us to move something which is horrible. But it does have some halachic connotations, the fact that this peel is Muxa, how you move it, where you move it, when you move it, etc. You can't just move it in the middle of nowhere. If it's in a way and it's disgusting, etc., then you can. But one has to remember, it is intrinsically it is intrinsically a muksa. So if you're sitting Friday night eating your gari, gari nim and you're throwing the peels out, those peels are muksa. They are muksa. If you put them in a cup and it's a side somewhere, whether you're allowed to put them in a the cup is a discussion, which we will discuss, because by putting it in a cup, I'm not making the cup muksa. I'm not allowed to make something muksa on Shabbos. So that itself becomes a discussion. But the, the peel, the, the shells, etc., will become muksa, and you have to be wary of that when you're eating things like that on Shabbos. Raw food. Raw food has no intrinsic purpose. A raw potato has no purpose. You can't eat it, so it's not called ohol. It has no absolute, it's like a stone, it's got nothing, no value to it. It will become muksa, machmas gufay. So raw potatoes are muksa. Raw fish, raw meat is muksa, which is extremely important when we discuss the halakhas of bosses, opening your freezer drawers and fridge drawers on Shabbos and Yomtev, when you have raw food in the drawer. That would make the drawer, because of the bosses, it would make the drawer muksa. Beans. Uh, raw beans, flour, any food that is inedible without cooking is considered muksa on Shabbos and Yom Not on Yom Tov, because you can cook on Yom so it would be okay. Yes, so we will discuss the lockers of bosses when we get there. If you want to get it 100% right, you should sort your, free, your freezer before Shabbos accordingly. You should have your drawers where you can... Sorry? You know, lava with, let's say, flour. Correct, correct, correct. So you should have shelves really separate. You should, you should have it in a way that you can access what you need in Shabbos. Shabbos kitchen, yes. Shabbos kitchen. Sorry? So then, and don't forget, uh, uh, once it's okay, I'm moving it still from the Nassab, but it's, it's, it's best if I don't have to do that. It's always better if I don't need to move muksa at all. So it's, it's a job to start moving uh, all, all the stuff around your freezer, make sure that all the raw stuff is in one place, and all the cooked stuff is in another place, and, and all the etc. It can be quite a job. You need to be a good Yeche Ashkenaz and get it just really organized and perfectly right. Not from Poland. If you're from Poland, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. An empty bottle of praline. An empty bottle of praline. What's praline? Chocolate. 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 You could wrap it up. So it has a value. You're talking about something which has no value whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It has no, no value and no use. When I say value, I don't mean value in, in the monetary sense. I mean value in, in the purpose sense. It has no purpose to it whatsoever. A box has a purpose. An empty tissue box has a purpose. You can send it to, to kindergarten and it can make uh, little trains out of it. There's, there's a purpose to, to, to most things. Very few things have no purpose. Muks and Machmas are things that have no purpose and no intrinsic use. And roughly, I've given you raw rice. Uh, I mean, you go through your kitchen, you'll see anything like that that can't be eaten without, uh, without, being, without cooking would be considered 
that will be considered muksa. Whereas your your spices and things like that are fine because they they you can use them on shabbos. Sugar, all that type of thing is it's not muksa because it's it's called food. Something which needs to be cooked in order to be able to eat them is not considered food. And shabbos is muksa makhlukah. So if you want to get get something from your your vegetable cupboard from your, your, you know, your, where you keep your potatoes and your onions, if you have your potatoes and onions together, you, you will have the same problem. It will be muksa, it will be a bosses of muksa and not muksa. Onions are not muksa because you can eat onions raw. Uh, tomatoes are okay, you can be eaten raw. Anything that can be eaten raw is fine. Most vegetables can be eaten raw. There's very few that can't be eaten raw. Uh, you, you, potatoes definitely can't be eaten raw. If you find some food that's in the back of the fridge is gone off, can you take it and scratch that? Because of grasherie. Because of rapture, we'll discuss rapture because it's horrible. You don't have time to open your fridge. You're going to have something disgusting there, so you're allowed to remove. But um, food which is not edible, or food which has reached a stage of not being edible, in itself is not. Particularly the shelf in your larder, where you see all spices and things you can use on shelves, but there happens to be one bag of rice. Or does that one bag? No, it won't make the whole thing muksa. You just have to be careful not to move it. Just the bag, but you can move the shelf. Technically, you move the shell because it's, it's a bus. It's a bus. It's a mutter. It's a majority. It's a It's not. It's not. It doesn't depend on majority. If I've got a, a, a shelf, which we will discuss when we learn buses, which has got muksa and non-muksa items on it, and they're meant to be there, it's meant to hold both uh, both items. Then technically, the shelf's not muksa. Then I can move it because it's tilted in the If I need to get to the back of that shelf, then, but it's still tilted in the so I only move it when I need to. If I don't need to, as we discussed in the previous year, if I don't need to move it, I shouldn't be moving it because there's muksa there. I can only muksa, move muksa, muksa through tiltul minatsad, through a permitted item, when I need to move the item for the tzoyach or whatever it is. Okay, that gives us a little bit of background to what we hopefully will discuss on the 23rd of December. I just want to share with you just a very small, a very small zavatari um, on this week's edge. This is Pashas Vayetze. And the opening, the opening, Message that Yaakov sends Esau. He sends him Lovon Garti va'echa ad Otto. In Lovon Garti, I lived together with Lovon. Now he's sending a message to to Esau, and he tells Esau, I want you to be to be aware of something. Be be wary of me. Don't come so so fast, and don't think you're going to be able to overcome me. Because in Lovon Garti, I lived with Lovon, and he uses a very interesting terminology. Garti. Garti comes from the word of a, a, a not from somebody's sojourn, somebody who's sojourning rather than somebody who's dwelling. So I, I sojourned with Lovon, and therefore Esau be very wary of me. Rashi tells us a very interesting shot. Garti is Tayag. Garti is Tayag, but therefore he's sending a message, don't worry Esau, I kept my Tayag mitzvahs wherever I am, wherever I was, don't start with me. But that's not the simple understanding of the Possek, because the Possek says in Lovon Garti. So why? He lived there for 20 years. Uh, I've been here 14 years and I don't consider myself uh, a sojourner here. I think I'm quite well settled here. Garti is, is why is that so in, in, integral to the message that he sent to Esau? He should have said, I lived with Lavon and I kept the tiger and, and, and don't start with me. No, in Lavon, Garti, the message that he was sending Esau, and this is Chazal Telas, Chazal described it at length, that Lavon was, was one of the greatest sources that, that the world ever knew. He was the greatest source. He was unbelievable knowledge in all different types of magic and 
Kishel from the Prophet calls him Kini Chashti. He says by himself, Kini Chashti. Nafash is, is a, to be Menachesh is a type of a sorcery. Uh, there's a, a number of different types of, of sorceries which the Torah describes. Lavan was by far the greatest. We know from Pagal in a number of places that Lavan was the grandfather of Bilam. And Bilam often uh, you know, was, was known as the greatest source in his time, and he wasn't a touch on what, who Lavan was. The world was extremely afraid of Lavan. Lavan was the one that, that everybody was scared of because they knew he could only Lavan with his mouth, Arami Oived Ovi. How do we counteract Lavan? By talking, Torah of Lavan, saying the Haggadah, that's how we counteract the words of Lavan. Lavan didn't have to lift up a thing, nothing. He didn't do anything. He didn't have to take a knife or a gun, nothing. He could just get rid of you, Arami Oived Ovi. He had the ability to completely destroy and remove from the world through his sorcery through his ability to use magic, he could just completely turn you into a frog just like that. Uh, he was the most petrifying person that the world knew. So, Yaakov sends a message to, to Esau. He says, Esau, you come to start with me. I lived in Lovon's house. I lived there for 20 years. He tried every single bit of sorcery on me. At Ceres Moinim, he tried every type that he could. He couldn't get anywhere. He couldn't get anywhere. And I'm going to tell you why he couldn't get anywhere. Because in Lovon Garti, I was only a sojourner there. I understood that my, my connection to this world is only like a gear. I don't live in this world. I live in the world of Torah. I live in the world of the Rebbein Shlenem. In Love and Gati, he says, Rashi, Tariag, Mr. Shomati. That's just the same, the other side of the, the, the flip side of the coin. The message that he was giving Esau was, Esau, don't come anywhere near me. You're not going to be able to prevail. I overcame Lovon. If I overcame Lovon because I understood that this world is not my permanent home. My home is the world of Olam Habon. My world is the world of Torah. I kept Tariag Mitzvahs. That's just a sign that I, I don't live in this world permanently. I live in the world of the Rennishalem. The new Esau have no ability to, to, to come anywhere near and cause me any damage. And that's the message in Esau. And that's the message for us. But we live in the world of Golas. And we really do live in Golas. And who knows what this week is going to bring. We have to double the Bez Hashem. The Rennishalem will look after us. And he will look after us. And everything will be fine, Bez Hashem. But there's one condition attached. We have to understand him, love on Gati. That we sojourn in this world. We don't live in this world as permanent residents. We're only here as temporary residents. We, we don't live. Oilem Hazar is just a means. It's a means for us to be able to get to where we need to get to. We need to get to, uh, to our Ruchnius, we need to get to our Torah, we need to get to our Voida, we need to connect to the Brain Shalom. If we understand that, then I can assure you this Thursday everything will go perfect. No one can cause, cause us any harm. Because in Love and Gati, we tag Mr. Shamati, when she give us the Athadish that we should understand Oilem Hazar is just a temporary place. And then Ben Hashem will be there to see the end of all those who hate Kalisol in the in, in the immediate future. And we'll be there to see the goal of the Karma Mishomi.